if your coworker, I'll tell you what, toxic workplace includes gossip. I should know. Mm. I got involved in it and caught up in it in some really bad ways a number of years ago. And it is toxic. It's not just creating a toxic work environment, but it's destroying your psychology. Is the thought of being imperfect keeping you from taking action? Welcome to Inspired Action for Imperfect Humans. Each week, we give you real-life stories and thought-provoking research that inspires your soul to live a more fulfilled life through your own actions. From the heart of Calgary, Canada, here are your hosts, award-winning coaches, Christopher Lawrence and Kyle Kalou. And here we are again. Welcome back to part two of Avoidance with Conversations. That's right. Man, we got into a real good conversation there last week, didn't we, Kyle? Absolutely. We were still talking about it. So we've been talking about about having difficult conversations and how so many people in North America are avoiding having difficult conversations. And where we left off is we were just about to get into kind of defining the problem and get into some resolutions. And I think certainly there's something that we can do, Kyle, in terms of like teaching about mastering difficult conversations, but I actually don't think that's as helpful as talking about it maybe more globally right now, which is, I think if folks want this to work, like I look at it, how many times do we teach something? And it's like, yes, it works, it works, it works, it works, it works, right? But I think it works better when you can actually create a culture of accountability for this, which means that you have to bring somebody in to teach you as an organization how to have difficult conversations. And then you create a culture of accountability because how often are those conversations, like how often do you guys bring somebody in to have something like this and then it gets shelved? Like what a waste of money. Do you know what the research is showing? That despite, so 10 years ago, this was a a study in, in 2009. So that's more than 10 years ago now. And, and they kind of called it the avoidance of scary workplace conversations. Okay. It was 2009 study. Yeah. Despite the 10 year gap and billions of dollars, businesses have invested people like in people development for these conversations, there's still a 70% gap, meaning the same challenges have persisted in the last decade that existed 10 years ago. It's like, this is a whole other episode, but it's like work-life balance um, uh, initiatives. Billions of dollars and people are more burnt out now than they were before. Stop spending money on work-life balance initiatives. You need to take an individualized approach to finding out what people value. When it comes to conversations, there, there are specific reasons why you're spending all this money, your organizations are spending all this money, why you as employers are spending all this money. And it's not that it's not good. You know, we give, we give presentations on this all the time, but we rarely just give the presentation and walk away, right? It has to be, Talk it has about to be tangible. Yeah, you know, when we think about it, you know, because everyone wants accountability. We see it on on job surveys. We see people talk about it. You know, when we engage with leaders that we work with, they're saying the exact same thing. They want accountability. And not only leaders are asking for accountability, and correct me if I'm wrong, 
employees are also asking for accountability. They're saying, why are they not holding them accountable? Like I'm doing the thing while well, I'm trying to say, what are the, why are they not holding people accountable? Right. And so sometimes they're, you know, what is getting in the way? And so for this episode, we really wanted to paint a picture so we could talk about what are some one or two things that you guys could really be focusing on from a solution perspective. Because I I know some of you are thinking, yeah, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, yeah, that's happening. Yeah, yeah. But what can I do about it? Right? So when everyone is committed to a clear plan of action, they are better able to hold people accountable. What does that mean? It means that we have to communicate, have conversations with people so we can get a commitment so then we can hold them accountable. And here's the thing, and this is always- So if I could just say something, Kyle, that's it. Like you have to create a baseline for what these conversations need to look at. This is some of what our organization focuses on. There are certainly hundreds of organizations that do this. That's the first thing. But the second part is the commitment. And the third part is the accountability to that commitment. Absolutely. And here's the thing with the accountability. This is not just for the leaders to hold other people accountable. Because think about that. Just think about this for a second. How many times your leader comes and talks to you about what Susie Bell said to them about what you did or didn't do? The whole time they're speaking to you, you're thinking, that B word, why didn't she come and talk to me? Why did she have to go tell my manager? Why did... And here's the thing. It is not just a responsibility. It is an interpersonal philosophy that you should have to say, I heard that Christopher committed to this. So now I'm actually empowered to go say to Christopher, hey, I heard you committed to this. What happened? Right? Oh, girl, can you, you are illustrious leadership coach. Um <laughs> Wasn't I ragging on? Wasn't I? Wasn't I ragging on you about having a swollen head uh, <laughs> last episode? So listen, um, illustrious life coach, you said interpersonal philosophy. Interpersonal philosophy. I'm wondering if you could talk about that, Kyle, in context of this difficult conversations thing, right? Like there is something that gives you the right to hold somebody accountable to their commitments. Yeah. Tell me more about that, yeah. that interpersonal whenever, philosophy. Go when ahead. I, when, yeah, whenever so, you like. Go ahead. Get started. Stop interrupting. <laughs> Team so members excited. must be willing to call one another out on behavior of their performance that isn't um, up to standard, right? Only because we can have that conversation. And that means if the environment is set up, that I can actually say that, that I could say, listen, Christopher, you and I were having a conversation. You made a commitment to me that you were going to get this back to me and I didn't get it, right? So here's how we take it a step further to ensure we set up the, the environment. When, a, when someone goes to the leader, let's say that I'm the leader, say that Christopher came to talk to me about Susie Bell. I'm going to say, after I hear Christopher talks to me, I'm going to say, so Christopher, what happened when you spoke to Susie Bell about this? So I appreciate you mentioning it to me, but what happens when you spoke to Susie Bell? If Christopher says, I didn't talk to Susie Bell, I'm telling you, so you can go talk to her. I need to empower and train Agreed. and encourage and coach Christopher on, let me tell you this, Christopher, that you and that's, actually, it's important for you to have this conversation. That's not just for the leaders. That's for everybody. everybody. If your coworker, I'll tell you what, toxic workplace includes gossip. I should know. Mm -hmm. I got involved in it and caught up in it in some really bad ways a number of years ago. And it is toxic. It's not just creating a toxic work environment, but it's destroying your psychology. You're right. Your gossip, 
your participation in gossip is destroying your psychology. Instead, go have the effing conversation with them. And it's, this isn't just about the leaders. It's like, if, if my peer is talking to me about Susie Bell, who's having a bat, you know, who, who's doing this and doing that, it's my responsibility to say, I'm wondering, have you had a conversation with Susie Bell? Because I'm not sure that I can help you with it. And, and as a peer, you can coach and you can mentor and you can support people through having it. But stop accepting less than very poor, addictive, bad behavior from yourself, right? Because I'll tell you what, I will tell you what, if they are talking about Susie Bell to you, they're talking about you to Susie Bell. It's Amen. happening. Amen. It's happening. So we have to have a culture of accountability. Now, I want to point something out here, Kyle. You said we have to be able to call each other out on this. I think it's really important because you gave an example of how to do that. A couple of examples, actually. Um, I think it's really important that people understand it's not like calling out like in that, well, you said blah, blah, blah. There is a structured way mm -hmm. to give this feedback in a culture of accountability. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if you could kind of elaborate on that. Yeah, I, I want you guys to think about the value of the feedback. We're calling a conversation, we're calling a feedback. We're, we're really kind of talking about the same thing. Just for a moment, just think about this. Think about a time when you received feedback that felt harsh but you ended up being, it ended up being valuable, right? We've all had a situation where like, wow, that was hard. But then you step back, you're like, damn, you know, we really came to appreciate that. It was valuable. Here's the other thing that is part that is scary for me. And it has happened for me as well. And I hear this quite often, you know, with our client groups or the workshops we do, when you receive feedback, but you wished it would have come sooner. Yep. Right? How many? What a missed opportunity! So what I what what Christopher was asking me to get into is just the details around when we're having these type of when I'm in an environment or something is happening. Either I'm feeling a certain way about something, or I witness something happen that we know the company policy is, or I may not feel is right. Maybe because of my values. Maybe it's because of the company policy and what have you opening up that conversation. And again, when we're opening up that conversation, it's about, you know, sometimes being invited to have the conversation. Sometimes it's about, hey, I want to have this conversation. Are you in a place right now that I could share this feedback? I usually personally, Christopher, I don't like the word positive feedback, negative feedback, constructive feedback. It's just feedback. Here's the thing. The person receiving the feedback is going to decide for themselves. If it's but I positive, think delivery it's matters, right? Kyle. Absolutely. Like you're right, it's feedback, but delivery matters. It has to be delivered in a way that is digestible and recognize that if you and this person thought the same, then your way of delivering feedback would be totally appropriate. Mm -hmm. But you probably Fair don't enough. think the same. Fair Otherwise, enough. you wouldn't have to give the feedback Absolutely. in the first place. So you need to tailor your feedback giving to their style, their needs. If it's Absolutely. an emotional person, you need to tap into emotions. Absolutely. If it's a shoot from the hip person, you got to be direct. And trust me, direct people are not offended by your directness. Exactly. Right. They so feel a way about it. That's right. They're not. They're they don't not, need right? you to preface for 15 minutes, right? They just need you to get it out.
I feel the reason why some people avoid these conversations, people uh, get in the way of the conversation is because how they even start the conversation. Mm -hmm. It can go off the rails by just the mm -hmm. first comment you did, right? And so when we talk about the program that we do, uh, Master Difficult Conversation, we always say, start it with a really open-ended question. We really want to engage people on that. And so one of the example is be very specific. So I'm going to have a conversation with Christopher now about the communication meaning he doesn't respond to my emails in time right and, and i wait too long i'm gonna say more like the reverse just to be clear I, that's why i use this example <laughs> because, because you're like i want to see how he's going to answer this one right mm -hmm. so one of it is just be very specific right it's to say you know christopher how do you think it's going with timely responses to my emails Right. Notice it's not a mm. yes or no. I didn't say, Christopher, I want to talk to you about you not always responding to my emails on time. Mm -hmm. Our backs go up. Right. Yeah. But when it's open ended, it, it gives you an opportunity to either tell me, yeah, it was. Yeah, I agree. With you, yeah, or I that's it. The first step is an inquiry. It's an inquiry. It's an inquiry. It's a check in. Uh, sometimes that spares you. It's like, you know, I'm curious. How do you think it's going with blank? Sometimes they say what you need to say anyway. So it's like, oh, oh not very well because of this. And it's like, okay, great. Yeah. Right. It really is about how do we open it up? And I think when you start being come naturally curious about it, because maybe you missed something, maybe there's a, a valid reason, maybe you blinked and there's something you don't know. And I've said this, you know, you and Christopher, you and I, we talk about this all the time. Even if I saw someone took a cookie out of the cookie jar, I'm still going to ask you if you took the cookie out of the cookie jar. Yep. Right. And instead of making that assumption, my gossiping, like we've heard people, right. We become biased by it. All this stuff mm -hmm. is happening when it's just about, let me just have a conversation mm -hmm. and be opening to where it received. Now in the context of accountability, it always must go back to commitments. Mm -hmm. If I didn't commit to something, why are you going to have me accountable? You know how people are doing accountability, Christopher? Let me tell you, we have this meeting where we talk about people eating food in the fridge that doesn't belong to them. And we say how they're not supposed to do it. And, and we say it to all 12 people, group coach, even though it's only one person. Okay. And here's the problem. Yeah. We all know who the one person is, but no one is talking to that one person. Mm -hmm. So we do the group coaching, we call it, right? We mm -hmm. bring everybody together and we say, and then we walk out and it's still happening. And then we're like, Guys, well, how is it still happening? Why is it still happening? What I've and how many times have we heard that? I've talked mm -hmm. to them. I've had this conversation. And I'll tell I'll tell you why it's still happening. You know, and and then you have people who aren't doing it, who aren't even involved, and they're sitting in the room, and they're like, like, is why this is this wasting my time? Yeah. So then they're frustrated, and it actually creates a divide in your organization because they're getting pissed off at everybody else. Group coaching doesn't work. It's a sh like in in regards to that, group feedback doesn't work unless it's everybody on the team, and it's a shitty way of doing it and it's idiotic and you sound idiotic as a leader when you deliver it or even as an employee because i've heard employees it's like you know okay we just need everybody to do blank everybody needs to fill out their tps reports and it's like okay but there's only three people who aren't so go talk to the three people and have the conversation jane you're not filling out the tps report here's how that impacts the organization jane Right. And then when you're talking to Jane, after this said conversation, you need to ask or create an environment that Jane can make a commitment. I'm going to commit that I'm going to fill this form out blank. 
I'll but find out why she's not doing it, right? Absolutely. Well, right? Like, we like maybe give, we don't want to give out all the the secrets of our MDC six, you know, because we want these people to. Call Kyle, us I'll give it all away. Yeah. If y'all want it, you just call me and I'll give it to you. Kyle's cheap. We want we want to be invited. <laughs> we want to be invited. That's the business in me, right? We want to be invited, but we're just giving you guys enough that you can start working on some of these things, right? Because we're talking about accountability. So you need to be able to commit. Here's what happens when Jane commits to doing that report by the end of the week and come set end of the week, you can say to Jane, Jane, you committed to doing this report by the end of the week. So where is it? Yeah, there has to be a follow, follow up conversation Absolutely. always if after the commitments it, made. And if she did it, it's like, Oh, thanks, Jane. Like, honestly, you did. Wow. It. I appreciate yeah. you keeping your word. I appreciate yeah. you keeping your commitment. This is an opportunity for you to give kudos, to mm -hmm. praise, to do all those other pieces because we need that too. Here's what the conversation usually sounds like, Christopher, because they didn't get a commitment. Um, so hi, Jane. It's at the end of the week. Um, I know I had a meeting last week where I said everyone was supposed to complete their forms. And so um, I, I didn't get your form. Mm -hmm. Right. And Jane's like, oh, um, I thought because I'm already working on this that I would do the form next week and I I oh I thought that would be understood. Oh, I didn't think you were talking to me. I thought you were talking about the other because I usually do right. That's what group coaching does. That's what we're all over the place. Mm -hmm. And that's why we can't. So when we're talking about the interpersonal philosophy to bring it back to that, it's about creating an environment that I feel that when I speak to Jane about as a colleague, when I speak to Jane about that report that she committed on, because maybe I need to look at the report before I send my report off, right? Or there's an opportunity where I think as a collective team, we're not going to get the desired results. So therefore I want to have a conversation with her. I should be able to have that conversation that also means that my leaders and my fellow colleagues if i go gossiping about jane they're all going to say to me well kyle it sounds like you need to talk to jane yeah if all roads are coming back to jane then that is the culture that we're creating of having that interpersonal philosophy that i feel empowered to have that conversation well and and, and giving them the tools to do it not you know because it's like it's like it's not just well it sounds like you need to have a conversation with jane now not. tell me how are you going to have that conversation uh, what might get in the way of you having that conversation absolutely. Well, you know what support do you need from me right like but the idea is to encourage people to do this and it requires a culture of accountability but i'll tell you things progress so much faster when people do this and they get to the other side of it. Kyle, there's some cool benefits here to having tough conversations. Certainly tough conversations communicate value. They communicate the value. So what's important to an individual or an organization. If we're not understanding what's valuable to somebody, we're having the wrong conversation. Absolutely. It also reveals blind spots. I'll never forget, Kyle, there was a time I worked for a leader. I am going to drop his name because it's a compliment to him. His name is Dan Barch. I worked with him at TC Energy. Um, he wasn't there very long because uh, he was quite ambitious and wasn't getting what he wanted from the organization, although he was perfectly clear about what he wanted. And that's why I respected him. He was the first leader that sat me down and said, I need to give you feedback. He says, it's my job to give you feedback. And here's two pieces of feedback. I left that room and I got emotional and I got emotional because nobody had ever told me. And I had been doing this thing for 10 years and not one leader said to me, 
Christopher, there's a better way to manage the situation. And instead they all worked around me and I felt betrayed by every leader I had before that because I knew in that moment how I was showing up, but wasn't aware of it until he brought it to my attention. So so massive respect for him uh, for, for that. And I think that people underestimate the value of bringing that to someone's attention. It also stretches our leadership, difficult conversations, increase trust and respect when we have difficult conversations. People want loyalty and it's like loyalty doesn't come without trust and respect and you can't have loyalty if it doesn't go, go both ways. And, and if you, I think loyalty is dead anyway, but I think if certainly if you're not having difficult conversations, you are not garnering trust and respect. Difficult conversations clarify, they clarify the future. They create opportunities for growth and, and, and it actually helps focus your development and your coaching Only. for you and those involved with you. The last point that I would bring up about this is that people, when they ask for what they want, there's a higher statistic that they'll get it just by asking or get some variant of it just by asking. And I think the problem is, is that people just aren't asking and they sit there. They would rather leave a company to do the same job in another company and start over to make more money than to just go have the conversation about the raise. They would rather leave a company than say to their boss, here's three facts that I observed about your behavior in the last meeting. It's uncomfortable for me. I need you to shape up. Don't use and those you may words, not, but... And you may not, you may not have uh, know how to have it because there's times you can go to your leader and say, listen, I know I want to have a conversation. I may not know the right words, you know, and they'll walk you through it. For the most part, they will be able to walk you through it. Totally. Kyle, where do our team, where do our people go from here? What does the team go from here? Listen. Um, if you want to know how to do this, if you want to reach out to us, if you feel there's an opportunity that we could bring this into your organization, you know, and get really clear, not just on strategy, but tactics, right? We have mastered, if I do say some myself, we've mastered this to a six-step process. And it's why we call it the MDC6. So we have this information. It's a workshop that we could do right now. So reach out to us and we will be able to have a conversation with you first, just as hear about what is happening. Because back to what Christopher said earlier, if we don't create the environment, if we don't create the baseline for people, right? Uh, we're not going to be able to do that. So definitely reach out to us. Our contact information is in the show notes below. And if you're not following us, why not download this, share this podcast, and we definitely will help you having conversations so you don't have to avoid it. It's our goal to build a global community of inspired action takers. And we can only do that with your help. So if you love inspired action, please leave a review on your favorite podcasting app and share us on your socials. You've heard from us. Now we want to hear from you. Go to inspiredactionpodcast.ca and tell us what is the inspired action you took this week. Next week on Inspired Action for Imperfect Humans. You need to tailor your resume in such a way that it looks like you have another 20 years of work left. Like, and I hate to say it, but it is the truth. You just need to get yourself in the door and, and then don't even get me started on these stupid self-automated video interviews. What a piece of shit system.